0: What's up guys, it's Derek once again with Wrestling IQ and with Rap and Wrestle Podcast bringing you another special episode this time talking to Headbanger Mosh aka Chaz Warrington you know him from our childhood being a part of the uh, the famous Headbanger tag team uh, with Thrasher um, this was another special episode that I wanted to drop on you know both streaming platforms So, you know, definitely make sure you check out Wrestling IQ 101 at Wrestling IQ 101 and Rap and Wrestle at Rap and Wrestle. Check it out on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Also, check it out on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, anywhere you get your streaming. And, you know, check out the episode. Here it goes. Today, a very special day. Uh, someone you may know, uh, one of the most um, prestigious tag teams in WWE, uh, Headbanger Mosh, a.k.a. Chaz Warrington. How you doing today, sir? I am doing tremendous. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. You know, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, like I said to you earlier, um, how's everything been going for you lately? And, you know, just dealing with, you know, all this that's going on, pandemic, COVID, all that stuff, how, how have you been personally? Um, personally, I've been
1: fine. Um, I don't know. I'm not one of those people that are freaked out by it. You know, I'm just being smart and, you know, not being stupid and, you know, licking toilet seats and <laughs> licking my fingers. <laughs> um, so just being smart about it. You know, it is what it is. It's just one of these things where, uh, in my mm-hmm. mind, you know, there's a silver lining in everything and you got to figure out, you know, a way to either adapt or you become extinct. So, um, you know, so it's all
0: good. How about you? Yeah, me no, I'm, I'm doing well. You know, same thing. Uh, you know, just playing it safe. I think that's really all you can do. You know, nowadays right. with this, that's 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 it. So, just take care of yourself. Be smart, like you said. I haven't been licking any toilet seats, so uh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good too. <laughs> yeah, I, I for kinda,
1: real. I kind of highly recommend not doing that, whether it's a pandemic or not. So, <laughs> I mean, unless you got. Really weird fetish. I mean, go ahead, knock yourself out. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so totally agree with that. Um, you know, something interesting. Uh you're you're from New Jersey, right?
1: Yes, right outside Philly, South Jersey.
0: Nice. Uh I'm up in uh central Jersey, uh, you know, around Rutgers University area. Okay, my best friend went to Rutgers. Yeah, me too. So it's perfect. Look, we get the connections there. Um, you know, something I'm interested in, because you know, right now in um Jersey. Uh, Jersey is like very saturated when it comes to, you know, like independent wrestling and wrestling like that. So kind of like when you were getting started, how was the wrestling scene in New Jersey? Was it as, you know, packed as it is now? Or was it, uh you know, guys just starting up? Um, I think it was pretty
1: busy. You know, when I first started, I was very fortunate to where Glenn had been, you know, around for a couple of years before we started tagging. So I was fortunate enough to, um, you know that he knew people. So we did a lot with you know Larry ran shows once a month down at the monster factory. And then we did a lot with Dennis Cartaluzo. Um so but you know to be honest with you we weren't I mean Glenn was around Jersey a lot more than I was because I started in June of ninety three. That next Ooh. April Glenn and I took off and went to Memphis. So for me I didn't do a whole lot. Um I probably did more you know during like when Glenn was hurt, um doing some independence on on my own, I probably did more
0: during then than actually before we actually went to WWF. Oh wow, oh man, yeah, and I know it's uh, it's a uh, it's very filled now and I know there's a lot of history when it comes to you know wrestling and when Jersey, Philly, New York is like all combined in that whole area. um when you were when you were you know first starting, you were younger. Uh, what was it that drew you and attracted you to, you know, actually wanting to be in wrestling?
1: Uh, Well, I watched it growing up. I was a fan. Um, Like I said, my best friend and I, we used to jump on the speed line and head over to Philly to go over to the Spectrum to watch. uh, Once a month, we go over there. So, you know, I was always a fan growing up watching it and actually just went to the Route 30 Flea Mart, which was about 10, 15 minutes from my house in Clementon. And every Saturday night—not every Saturday night, but like once a month—the big truck would be out front. It said "Pro Wrestling Saturday Night." So one night I had nothing to do, and I went in. I checked it out, and then um, Glenn and I knew of each other from high school because our high schools wrestled each other. So we started talking, and chatting, and it's like, "Oh, you should come try it out." And I figured, out right, what the hell? It could be fun. Something different to try." Never, ever, ever expecting it to, you know, get to where it went. So it was kind of one of those things where I kind of, right, it was all timing. Um, Walked in, right place, right time. Had a tryout down at the Monster Factory and Larry didn't take everyone. I think when I did my tryout, there was five or six other people there. He took two of us. Um, So it's not like one of those things where he took everyone to just take your money. If you didn't think you had any shot of making it, he wouldn't take you at all. Because the last thing he wants is someone going in there and being awful and saying, you know, I trained down at the Monster Factory. Because, you know. (laughs) that's not good for the school um yeah so for me it was kind of just I think it was just one of those things that may have just been meant to be because everything (laughs) kind of fell in the step for me which kind of just one of those things where it just rolled and rolled and rolled
0: yeah and you you know you talked about you know the the monster factory and um when you first started training like how was it adjusting to you know actually doing the things to actually be a professional wrestler
1: um, well, that was one of the things is I when I first went down there, I was still wrestling um, in junior college. I was, I don't know, 180 pounds, something like that. Oh, and I said, one of the things I said to Glenn was, you know, I gotta put weight on before I get in the ring. Cause you know, Glenn was, you know, 240 at that point, and you know, all the guys were big. And he goes, No, 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 he goes, the best time to learn is now as you put weight on. He goes, if you just come here you know, three months later, and you're 50 pounds heavier, then it's going to be harder to learn how to do everything. So learn it as you go. Um, so for me, it wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm athletic. So it's funny, I joke all the time now, because I used to be able to do when I jumped into a pool, I used to do a full flip, and, yeah. jump and land feet first. Now I go halfway, I land flat on my back. I just can't get all the way over anymore. It's just a mental thing. Um, but you know, it wasn't, the, the, the hardest part about it was just learning the psychology of how to you know call a match and and you know to, to have a good storyline in a match but as far as doing everything you know kind of came i guess natural because you know i do have some i do have a little bit of athletic ability so
0: <laughs> i think i think it's a little bit more than a, than a little bit um <laughs> so for you guys how how did the call to you know being in the wwf at the time like how did that all come about for you guys
1: well what happened was is we were going up Glenn was actually doing it before me. Um, but we had been going up and doing jobs for doing enhancement work jobs or, you know, we used to be called jobbers and then they called it enhancement or whatever it is. Um, you know, extras. Um, so we were doing that. Glenn was doing it way before me. Um, and then obviously I was doing it. So we had been going up there for three years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, actually my first probably six matches were in a WWF ring before I had my first, I guess, real match. Um, so, we, so Vince kind of knew who we were, you know, everyone up there knew us, they, all the guys knew us, um, and then Cornette, when Smoky Mountain shut down, Cornett was working up there, and he walked into Vince's office and said, hey, I got these two guys, you know, I'd like to bring them in, have you take a look at them, give them a dark match or something, mm-hmm. and Vince said, um, well, tell me about them, so he goes, oh, well, you know, he goes, you've seen them before, he goes, you know, Chaz and Glenn, he goes, you know, they've wrestled up here as the Spiders. You know, they've been up here a lot. He's like, oh, yeah, because I know those guys. And at the time, they were doing a part time contract that these part time deals for certain guys because they wanted the matches to be a little more competitive. So what they did, they hired like 10 of us. And the idea was for us to win a couple of matches, but then just to have competitive matches with all the superstars, you know, Sean, yeah. Brett, um, Stone Cold at the time. And um, so Vince goes, I'll oh, just put them on the part time contract then, and we'll see what happens. So yeah. We started out with that first contract, and out of all the part-time guys, we were the only two that got signed to a full-time deal at the time.
0: Oh wow. Uh, so do you do you remember like uh when you got called up, like your first match? I know I was looking and I and I saw like the, I don't know how this like slipped me, but I saw you had a match with like Papa Shango, and I was like, When did this happen? Like, how did that happen? How was that was I, like, that was actually my second match? Your second match, okay. So here's
1: what happened is they did a lot of TVs in the Northeast. WWF mm-hmm. was all around in the Northeast. So that's when they were doing the TV tapings for superstars and WWF challenge and um, wrestling challenge, wherever it was called. So Glenn said to me, hey, you know, WWF's coming into town and they always, you know, they call Larry and he sent some guys up there to go up, you know, do, you know to, 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 you know, to do enhancement matches, do jobs. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I go, I was in the ring three weeks, training three weeks, that was it. And I said to him, I go, I'm not ready to do that. I don't don't know what the hell I'm doing. He's like, "Ah, they won't use you. It's no big deal. Um, See your face. You know, maybe next time you go up, they'll use you. But it's a paycheck. And that's how you got to look at it. So I'm like, fine. So they roll the big whiteboard out. Tony Gurria comes out, rolls the big whiteboard out. And there it was. Chaz versus Adam Baum. And I went, oh, man. Oh, shit. (laughs) I said I looked at him. I thought they weren't going to use me. He goes, I don't know what to tell you, kid. <laughs> he goes, you're making some money tonight. So that was the first night. And then the second night, they rolled out the board again, and there was my name with Papa Shango. Um, so yes, yeah, so that was my. Set. And at that point, you know, again, I was only in the ring for three weeks, and I was kind of dabbling. I had no clue at that point. Again, to me, it was just let me get in there. This could be fun. It could be a cool hobby. After that, that very first night, walking down that ring, and I walked out, and I'm like, this is what I want to do. That, that like, but I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah, Papa Shang was my second match. And there's a great story with that. So he said to me, he goes, um, he goes, hey, do you know how to throw a punch? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I hit you like, yeah, over here somewhere. And I'm like, pointing at my neck. And he's like, yeah, but do you know how to throw a punch? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, so throw a punch. I just started looking at him. He goes, so throw a punch. I go, oh, you want me to punch you right now? And he's like, <laughs> Yeah. He goes, I want to see how you throw a punch. I'm like, all right. I punched him so hard in the jaw. He's standing there like this and he turns around and looks at me. He goes, kid tonight, you're going to kick. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so uh, It was WrestleMania about, I don't know, four or five years ago, we went out to California and we were doing the WrestleCon thing and yeah. he was there. And, uh, you know, cause we were obviously up there together when he was doing, you know, Godfather and comma and, you know, the stuff with the nation. Um, yep. But at that point, I never told him that story. I never told him, like, that was my second match ever. So we were sitting there, and I walked over to him, and I told him it. And he goes, are you kidding me? And I go, he goes, that was you? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, I tell that story all the time of the kid that punched me so hard in the jaw. I told him he was going to throw a kick. So he actually he actually remembered it. And then I pulled it up on YouTube, and we sat there and watched it together. It was awesome.
0: <laughs> oh, man. See, that's great. That's definitely great. Now, you know, uh, you and Thrasher, um, you guys – you were the spiders, you're a flying nuns. Yep. And then you know you finally found success when you guys became the headbangers. How did you go through all these gimmicks? Like how did each one individually start?
1: Well, Glenn was wrestling as the Spider at first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we started tagging, we just naturally went with that because in the Northeast that, you know, his Spider character was already kind of known, so it made it a little bit easier easier for us to get booked. Um Then we, you know, we went to Memphis, USWA. We were there for a while. Then we went to Arkansas with Burt Prentice with Ozark Mountain. We were there for a while as the Spiders. And then Mm -hmm. meanwhile, uh, Ricky Morton, uh, Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express, Tracy Smothers was coming in and out and they were with Smoky Mountain. So we started giving them tapes and then they started talking to Cornette about us. And then Cornette knew Glenn from some of the Indies because Cornette used to do a lot with Carluzzo up North. So... um, yeah, so Cornette got wind of us and wanted to bring us in, but he called us up and he said, hey, I would like to bring you guys in. He goes, but I don't like the masks. He goes, I hate masks. Yeah. He goes, I don't like mask wrestlers. So we're like, we just want to work. We just want to come there. You know, we know it's more exposure. And so we just want to come. So he's the one who came up with the headbanger gimmick, the idea. He said, uh, oh, wow. he was, he, and this is going to sound crazy. He goes, um, I was at a dancing concert. He goes, and these guys were... <laughs> slam dancing. There was mosh pits. They were spitting on each other. They are beating the shit out of each other. Guys were wearing makeups or wearing dresses. He goes, never seen anything like it. He goes, but he goes, I think the the idea that I have could work for you guys with, you know, you have that northeast attitude and stuff like that. And I knew exactly what I was talking about because over in Philly, I used to go to the old bank. Um, I used to go over there. I used to go to the underground. So I used to go to all of that stuff. So I knew exactly what I was talking about. So He gave us the idea. Um, We kind of ran with it. And it was just basically, was just an idea. And we took it to an extreme that Kornet never thought we were really going to take it to. Um, But uh, so he gave us the idea. We ran with it. And then when we signed our part-time deal with WWF, we went in as the headbangers. And then Vince changed it to the flying nuns to try something else. Um, But, and then, you know, it wasn't working. And so he switched us back to the headbangers.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that, that's that's a, a great story. That's that's wild. You know, I was going to ask, too, I was going to say, do you feel like, you know, being the Headbangers, was a little bit of that already a part of you guys, or did you guys become more of that as you went on with the role?
1: Um, I think a part of it was, I think a lot of me was in that already, because again, I was familiar with, you know, the, with dancing, doing the lawnmower, and you know you had to kick your arms and and legs to make space in the mosh pit so but for Glenn it was new but um you know again him and I just kind of he started watching more stuff and we just started adapting more and more to and then kind of just building it into us but our personalities came out like for instance when you know you'll see us making fun of somebody or we're joking around or there was one time um Vince had us on live tv it was a live interview we were exhausted because we were out the entire night before i think we got 45 minutes of sleep and really? Vince, then itv looks at us he goes what's wrong with you guys we're like vince we're out all night we're exhausted we just want to go out to the ring do our thing and then come back here and then go back out and party all over again like that's what we want to do so <laughs> uh, and you know, vince lo- and we got done vince loved it he was like just be you so a lot of it is us it's just
0: how it comes out yeah true Now, you know, one of the, um, you know, most memorable catchphrases, I think you think of a lot of catchphrases throughout the history of wrestling and, you know, real men wear skirts. I think it's one of those most memorable ones that you could think of. Um, Like, who who came up with that catchphrase and how does it feel like to just see that, like, just on signs in the crowd and put on, like, shirts for you guys?
1: Well, what happened was is actually how the whole skirts came up was this is Again, we were in Smoky Mountain. The first couple of matches we had, we didn't really know what to expect. We didn't really know, you know, where it was going to go. So we wore shorts. We showed up at TV. Cornette handed me a Slayer t-shirt. He gave uh, Glenn a Metallica shirt. And we had, I think I had work boots on and Glenn wore like high top sneakers. Like that's what we wore. So that's what we were wearing. And eventually we were talking. I said to Glenn, I go, we got to change up. We got to change up the look. I said, because we're, we're dressing like PG-13. That's what Wolfie and them. And, you know, that, and they were big in Memphis and Tennessee. They, so they were known. I'm like, so you know we don't wanna be knockoffs of them. So we gotta figure something out. So we went to a thrift store and we were walking around and I walked down the girls aisle and I pulled out a skirt and I put it on and I walked around and Glenn looks at me and he goes, what are you doing? I go, we're buying skirts. And he goes, I'm not wearing a skirt. I go, buy one skirt. I go and let's see what happens. So I convinced him to buy a skirt. We went out to the mm. ring that night. We got so much heat from the crowd. It was unbelievable. We walked in the back. Cornette goes, where did you buy those? Where'd you get those from? I'm like the thrift store. He handed us each $20 and he said, go buy more. You're wearing skirts. So, so that's, that's how the skirts came to be. So they just took off. So what happened was, is we used to have the, um, you know, the, the, the suitcases with our gear in. I and mean, we had the hardback ones. And we go to like Hot Topic to buy t-shirts and stuff like that. And there were stickers. There was a sticker that said real men wear skirts. So we took the sticker, we put it on the bag. And then we went to, when we were at WWF, we were doing a photo shoot um, for one of the Christmas catalogs or something with Santa. And one of the marketing guys were there. And he looked at the bag and he saw that and he goes, that needs to be on your t-shirt. And we went, Okay, so go get it done. And then that's when we came out with that first T-shirt. So, again, the skirts just came from something. That I was like, we need to be different. Real men mm-hmm. wear skirts came from us being in Hot Topic and seeing a bumper sticker and throwing it on our <laughs> back.
0: <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> um, you know, and then, you know, you guys won the, uh, the WWF, WWE Tag Team titles in uh, 1997. You know, did you guys kind of feel like that was, like, a sense of accomplishment, like, hey, you know, We finally like you know reached our you know our our pinnacle of you know being a tag team together.
1: Um I mean, yeah, you can't say no to that. I mean it's you know (laughs) to be looked at and it was funny because that's when NWO was big. So that's when Kevin and Scott had the tag titles for WCW. So you know, the PWI magazines would come out, and when they did, everyone did it. You went right to the back to the ratings, to the rankings to see where you were ranked. And there we were, number two. I mean, we were were, at that point, we were going to get hired in Scott and Kevin because they had had the belts for so long. And obviously, they were, you know, Kevin, Scott and Kevin. But, um, yeah, to look at that and be like, we're the number two tag team in the world. But the other side of it was for Vince to look at us and go, hey, you know, these guys, you know, I believe in these guys and they're going to draw money. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it was one of the – Clearly, there's probably three things in, in my career that stand out the most. And obviously, that's one of the top three.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, uh, the Outsiders. They were the champs over in WCW. You know, one of the biggest uh, periods of professional wrestling is the Monday Night Wars. You know, from the outside looking in, like, it's, it was amazing. But to actually be a part of it and working during that time, How was it to be involved in that and, you know, the rating wars and going back and forth? Oh, it was amazing.
1: Um, First of all, once, you know, the ratings, once that started happening, the money started coming in more. So obviously the the financial side of it was amazing. But the better part was just in the locker room. Everyone in that locker room had the same goal. The goal was to beat WCW. It didn't matter if you were opening match, if you were mid-card, if you were main event. Everyone knew their role in that locker room. Everyone got along. Everyone just wanted to help everyone else get better. So the, the atmosphere in there, I've never been in another locker room. I've never been in another position at any job or anything anywhere else where the whole mission was that one thing and everyone bought into it. And again, if I was opening match, I went out there and busted my ass to make the you know the, the, the mid card and the, the, the main event work harder. If I was at the end, of the show. Um, you know, I'd watch the first ones to make sure we didn't repeat anything to see what they were doing so we can get better and better and better. And everyone would come over and help each other out. Hey, I saw this. Hey, I saw that. Why don't you try this? Why don't you do that? It was just a big family. And again, the
0: entire goal of the entire locker room was beat WCW. Oh, that's awesome. You know, since that time too as well, um, there was a lot of focus on, you know, tag team action. Um, do, you, do you feel like, that has, like, diminished over the years? I know during that time period, there were a lot. There were the Godwins, Legion of Doom, you know, you guys, New Age Outlaws. There were so many tag teams. And then do you feel like over the years, like, up till, you know, present day, that's kind of, like, just diminished in wrestling in general?
1: Yeah, it seemed like Vince – it seemed like Vince would use the tag titles to further single storylines. Um, you know, like, it, like, I mean, we won tag belts because Stone Cold got hurt, but he was tag partners with Dude Love. It was like and you know, they put they put two individuals together for the tag belts. Um, and then you always knew they were gonna break up and then they were gonna feud. I mean, it's just kind of how it went. So yeah, so it went down. Yeah. Um again, I don't know if that was just Vince saying, Hey, I see no real value in tag teams, um, or what it was, or if that was just his way of, you know, maybe um I don't know hiring less people because <laughs> you know you can have a tag team by throwing two guys together. I don't know, but yeah, it, it a lot of the emphasis went away, which kind of sucked because tag team wrestling. Not, I mean, and I'm going to be biased because this is really all I know or, I'll, or not really know, but all I really did. What well, you know, it's more fun. To do more stuff. Um, you know, when yeah. I do singles matches, I still have fun, but it's not as much fun as when you know Glenn I, Glenn and I are out there together or like. Right now we're doing, um, we're working a feud with this. We're in this, working for this company called Atomic Revolutionary Wrestling up in Melbourne yeah. and we're getting ready to work the Ascension with Connor and Victor. Yeah. Brought mm-hmm. them in. So we got to, you know, we're doing a big match with them uh, on February 19th in Melbourne. And so it's going to be fun because, you know, it's not just two guys being thrown together. It's an established team that we can go out there and really have fun
0: with and really go. Now, when you, when you uh, started with wrestling, do you feel like uh, tag team wrestling, was that always like your goal, or did you all have any, you know, aspirations of being a singles wrestler?
1: No, I didn't really have. When I first started, I didn't have aspirations for anything, zero expectations, because I never <laughs> thought I was going to go anywhere. Um, you know, I thought, again, I didn't, I didn't know much about, I guess, the indie scene, even when I first started and I got into it. Um, the only thing I really knew growing up was WCW, NWA, and you know world class wrestling, and then obviously WWF. Uh-huh. So when I saw this when I would drive by, and I'd see the van out front to Route Thirty Mart. I was like, oh, I re- really had no idea. So when I went in and I saw it, I was like, oh wow! Like I didn't know, I didn't know that existed really, because um, yeah. you know I wasn't, you know there wasn't the internet to follow stuff like there is now, and you know I wasn't, I was into it, but I wasn't that into it. Um, you know, that stuff wasn't on TV, you know, they didn't have YouTube channels to, to, to go and watch all these other, you know, independent guys. Um, so I really had none and it was just kind of one of those things. I, you know, I did, was doing the job matches on TV. Then I did my first match at mm-hmm. school in September Then I did one in October and then in November. Mm-hmm. And then, um, in the meanwhile, Glenn had gotten hurt in there. He had, uh, a couple of bulging discs in his back. And then when he came back in November, he was like thinking about it and, our body types were so similar. Um, I mean, so similar when we were in the spider masks, his mom came up to me and had a full 15 minute conversation with me and had <laughs> no idea it was me. She thought it was Glenn. <laughs> so, um, you know, so that was the actually tagging with me was actually his idea is how it started. Awesome. Um, I mean, Glenn, you know, Glenn down at the school, he was the man, he was the trainer. So I was like, how could I say no to that? There's no <laughs> way I would have said no to that. I don't have been a moron because of who Glenn was at the Monster Factory at that point,
0: yeah, and look what it turned into, right? So you know, I guess it was a it was a wise decision on your part. Like I said, my career—it's like everything
1: that happened led to something else. It was just—it was almost just meant to be.
0: Yeah, facts. Um, how was it? You know, when people talk about tag team wrestling, and they you know, just as humans, we love to categorize things. We love to say, "Who is the best of this? The best of that?" And, you know, when we talk about tag team wrestling, you know, Legion of Doom is always at the top of that list. Um, how was it to be in the ring with those guys? And do you, do you remember or have you gotten any advice from them on, you know, being a tag team? Um, I don't know about the advice side, but being in the
1: ring with them, that very first time, I'll never forget it. Um, mm-hmm. It was at the Manhattan Center. Um, Glenn and I had been on the road doing house shows for about 10 days. We were going over every night. And we're like, this is amazing. Like, we're, we're winning. You know, we're, we're getting some TV exposure. We're going to these towns. People know who we are. Like, this is, this is unbelievable. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. So we walk into the Manhattan Center. They, we see the run sheet, and we look up at it. And it says, Headbangers versus LOD. And we went, oh, shit. <laughs> well, that run was short-lived. <laughs> um, it was their first night back before WrestleMania, so they hadn't been on TV for a while. So we're like, mm-hmm. well, gonna get squashed but whatever who cares um but they pulled us aside and they said hey he goes you know we had a long conversation with Vince Vince is really high on you guys he likes you he thinks you know you guys are probably the future of tag team wrestling when it comes here when it comes to WWF so um you know we're gonna have a back and forth match tonight on Raw he goes and then it's gonna be a double count out a double DQ and we're like so you're not just gonna squash us in like 35 seconds they are like no, we're going to go. We're going to have like a good 10 minutes. And we're like, whoa, we're like, and you're not beating us. They're like, no, but at the end, we'd like to hit one of you, you know, with the doomsday device. And I was like, I'll take it (laughs) it all day long. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, that, you know, that was great to to, to be in the ring with them. And then to have them tell us, you know, what Vince said, and then,
0: Mm -hmm. you know, it
1: was just great. And then, you know, hanging out with them in the back was always fun also. They're just great guys.
0: Yeah. I can only imagine. Um, You know, then I know you said, you know, your goal was tag team wrestling. Um, You know, you broke into, you know, you went to being a singles competitor for a little while when uh, Thrasher got uh, injured. Um, Were you excited for that? And whose idea was it to start the beaver cleavage gimmick? I got to know that.
1: (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so tag teaming was fun because I I don't think if I didn't tag, I don't know if I would have, learned as much as I learned as fast as I learned because again mm-hmm. June of 93 I'm in the Monster Factory July of 93 I'm in a WWF ring um, April of 94 we pack up the car and move to Memphis with no idea of how long we're going to be there and then I'm in the ring with you know Eddie Gilbert Doug Gilbert Jerry Lawler Brian Christopher um, Wildflower Tommy Rich and then from there you know mm-hmm. we're in the ring with Tracy Smothers and the Rock and Roll Express the Heavenly Bodies I mean so it just progressed so if I didn't if we didn't start tagging, I would have never gotten that. And I probably would have never left Jersey. I probably would have just, when WWF was in town going through jobs, I probably would have never made it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah so again, being with Glenn and having that opportunity was, you know, obviously life-changing um, as far as beaver cleavage goes. <laughs> um, so the funny part about that is the very first overseas tour I did Uh, Jerry Briscoe collected all the passports. We were going over to Kuwait for five days. Mm -hmm. so He had the passports. My passport, I mean, hell, when I was in WWF, I was 97. I was 26. So my passport was from when I was like 23, 24. Mm -hmm. Uh, He looks at it and he goes, you look just like Leave it to Beaver. (laughs) So from that point on, he called me the Beaver. He would call me Beaver. That's what he would call me. Um, and then Glenn was hurt, he blew his knee out, and we had all that time off, and it was creative uh, Vince Russo who came up with this whole it <laughs> fever thing, and, you know, because again, the whole, you know, Briscoe called me the bead for so long, um, that's where it came from.
0: Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, that's one of the probably the, the one of the most memorable <laughs> gimmicks, I think, that someone has had it just because they're so uh, out there and <laughs> you, you got to remember that one. You
1: can't, you, you can't, you can't forget it when it's voted the worst gimmick of all time. So, but it's all good. I am not offended. I was on the Ellen show a couple weeks ago with that gimmick.
0: They yeah, had, I, I heard, I was going to ask you, how, how does it feel to be on the Ellen show and not even know you're on the Ellen show? I had no idea. I was on, I had friends <laughs> texting me, hey, you were on the Ellen show today. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's amazing, man. That that that's now that's a story to tell. Um, you know, so how did um so with the the Beaver Cleavage role, and then you just went to you know being Chaz. Like, what was it in between? Was it was it you were um unhappy with the gimmick, or you know they just wanted to change roles? Like, what what was it uh, with that? No, well, I had no problem
1: with the gimmick at all. I mean, hell, the gimmick was going to be fun. Um, you know, I got to act like a goofball. Um, my, head, my head was buried in boobs every night because um, you know, the whole gimmick, they were insinuating I was having sex with my mother. So, I mean, you know, you can't beat that. Um, <laughs> I guess you could, but, you know, my, my head was buried in boobs. I'm acting like a goofball, um, uh-huh. but I only had the one match, and then they killed it off, but that's when they had, they were getting a lot of heat. Um, that's when Sable left, and she filed a sexual harassment suit, and yeah. um, Right around ends when Owen had his accident, so there was all this negative stuff coming. So they just killed it. Anything that had anything to do with anything controversial at that point, they just killed it off. Um, and that's when they came up with this idea of you're just Chaz, a kid from Jersey. You're just there to have a good time. That's where that came from.
0: Hey, uh, there we go. Um, you no, know, do you you think? Because I know it's a little it's a little different nowadays. Um, do you think like something like that could be successful in today's wrestling? Because I know, I've, you know, I've heard things and, you know, the rumors of, you know, USA, they kind of want WWE to uh, provide like more adult entertainment, I guess you could say nowadays. Um, right. Do you think like something like that could be successful, whether it's in WWE or, you know, out in the indies or anything like that?
1: I mean, I think so. I mean, anything's possible. It's just a matter of if it's done right. If the person doing it buys into it and puts 100% into it. Um, one of the things, again, I don't, I'm going to say again, but I didn't say it before, but um, I don't watch the product a lot. Um, if I'm flipping through and I see somebody I know or somebody I like or something catching on, I'll watch it for a few minutes. So I don't know everything, but what I do know of, to me, it's very cookie cut. Um, yeah. Everyone, everyone, in my opinion, wants to be Stone Cold um, or, you know, the, the Randy Orton, you know, they all just want to be this badass person instead of yeah. just being the character and going with it so i think characters would, would make it more fun i think it would make it more interesting yeah you still need to have those couple of badass guys but i think that's one of the things that back in my in my era when we were there that whole attitude errors everyone had an identity or a gimmick that was different from everyone else's you didn't want to be someone else you didn't want to act like someone else you wanted to be you and we were able to do that and that's you know the headbangers we were goofballs you know we're dumping wax on our arms and you know we're doing all this stupid stuff just because we could and they gave us the freedom basically to kind of do whatever we wanted and it's you know it was very free that way and i know now it's a lot of okay here's what we want you to say back then it was all right here's a storyline we're going with you know make it you and we were kind of given the freedom to do whatever we wanted um I realize things evolve, things change. Um, I know with the with WWE having stock now, they have to be a little bit more careful with yeah. things. So I think a lot of that factors into it. But um, I think anything's possible to get over now if you're just able to have time to build it. One of the other things was, you know, we had time to build our characters. You had time to do it. It's like everyone now, and I'm not just talking WWE. I'm just talking in the world general. Everybody wants that instant satisfaction now. Give it to me now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to see the storyline build up. Let's just do it now and get it over with and move on to something else. Everything's so fast paced. Everybody wants it now, 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 especially with social media. You don't have time to build that suspense and really get a character or even a storyline over. I mean, the storylines are huge. And you see it with WWE, it changes from week to week to week. It's like, all right, Goldberg's in now, but. He could be gone next week or same thing with Brock Lesnar or, you know, Edge just came back with the Royal Rumble. Um, But how long is he going to be there? So, you know, everything's so fast and so instant. It just doesn't have time to really develop. So if they gave it time, I think anything can get over.
0: Yeah, yeah, true. Definitely agree with you. Um, You know, you talked about those returns of, you know, Edge and Goldberg. Um, You know, you guys, when you guys came back and you guys were on SmackDown, you were taking on uh, Rhino and Heath Slater that was like a big surprise. Like I was, I was so happy to see you guys back in the ring and, you know, you guys haven't even missed a step. You guys are still going good. Um, how did that even come about and how did you guys, you know, get that call to, you know, participate in that tag team tournament?
1: That's one of me. That's one of me, one of my, uh, I mentioned earlier that winning the tag belts was probably one of my top three moments that return was one of my top three as well. Yeah. Um so what happened was over the, so I have a son, my son's 16 now. He's seen me do thousands of indie shows. And I mean, to the point where he could care less, I'll ask him, Hey, I'm going to do a show. Do you, know, do you want to come? And he'll ask me who's going to be there or any of my friends going to watch <laughs> Maybe If his friends are there. He'll go. But if not, then he could care less. and doesn't want to go. Hell at one point, Glenn and I were in a match. We were in a ring. I looked over, he was, he was laying on the gimmick table, sound asleep. So oh, just, man. <laughs> So one of the things I always wanted to do was have one time in a WWE ring for him to see me do wrestle in a WWE ring. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I used to see Road Dog all the time doing the shows, you know, doing the indie shows and stuff like that. And we would, you know, talk and I would tell him that. Like just one time, that's all I want. One time. So then whenever they were town in South Florida, I'd reach out to Hunter and ask, like, can I just come just one show? Like, I'll sign a waiver. I don't want to get paid. Just want one match in a w ring and he always said no he's like can't do it can't do it. insurance purposes whatever so um but brian knew how i felt what i wanted to do so when he came up with this whole tag team um tournament thing for the belts he called me actually he texted me and he said hey are you available for smackdown on tuesday I texted him back, I go, yeah, okay, who's this and why are you messing with me? <laughs> and oh, man. Instantly, instantly called me and he's like, Chaz, no. He goes, I'm serious. He goes, we got this idea, we wanna bring you guys in. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm available. Like, so, uh, but what happened was, is they were wrestling up in, was it Foxwoods or wherever the casinos are up in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. That yeah. area. Um, you had, well, he called me on Friday. And he called me back Friday. He said, look, he goes, I'm sorry. He goes, I didn't know you have to have full blood work and a full physical to be able to wrestle there. He goes, we won't have time to get that done for you guys. He goes, I'm going to try and hold the angle over to the following week. He goes, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to, he goes, I'm sorry. I said, well, I said, it's meant to be, it'll be, I go, but I appreciate you thinking of me, Brian. And that was it. I never thought I was going to hear from him about it. Um, I watch SmackDown just to kind of see if I can get an idea of what the storyline is. And then I'm waiting Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I'm like, well, guess that's not happening. About five o'clock on Friday, I get a call from Howard Finkel. He's like, Hey guys, it's Howard Finkel. And I'm like, Oh, Hey Howard. He's like, yeah. He goes, I got to set up your travel. He goes, you guys are needed in Dallas next Tuesday. He goes, so where are you flying from? And blah, blah, blah. So um, it was amazing to go back um, to see, you know, old faces, you know, the, 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 the gimmick guys, the producers, you know, the guys, the camera guys that we used to mess, mess with all the time. They were, you know, some of them were still there. So it was great to see them. Um, it was great to just to be back in the locker room. Um, but the biggest part for me was not only did my son get to see me in that ring, but he got to watch it live on TV. Nice. And then, um, somebody set up the phone, my ex set up the phone, on the floor right behind him and videoed him watching me come mm-hmm. out. So I had the video of that and I got to watch his excitement um, and do it. And the funny part is, is afterwards, a lot of people on Twitter were giving me a hard time because I did the dab. Like, yeah. you guys never dabbed before. Like, why would you do the dab? That's not you, blah, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so. The story behind the dab is like, I'm like, you guys don't even know what the hell you're talking about or why I did it. Like, ask me why I did it before you dog me for doing it. Um, I said to Tyler, my son, I said, what can I do for you so you know the one thing I'm gonna do one thing, it's for you and that's it. I said, I can do the monkey face. And he goes, no, he goes, the monkey face is for Amy. Amy's my niece, that's where the monkey face came from. Did the monkey face all the time for her. So I said, you want me to do this? And he goes, I want you to dab. And I went, yeah, no, I hate the dab. I'm not doing it. Goes, I, hate I hate it. And he goes, that's why I want you to do the dab. Oh, man. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm dabbing. And I just was very fortunate. I dove into the ring. I went to that corner. I didn't even say anything to the camera guys. I didn't tell them I was doing it, nothing. And they zoomed right in on me and got the dab. And his expression in the video of me doing the dab was freaking priceless. It was awesome.
0: Well, see, that's dope, man. That's dope that you got to do that for your son. Um, you know, af- after that was, you know, with the reception, you know, the crowd was happy to see you guys as well. Um, you know, was there any hope that this could be more than just a one-off thing? Um, I
1: guess, um, you know, they asked if we'd be interested. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, you say, yeah, I'm always interested. And it depends on the opportunity. Um, you know, they brought us back a couple times after that um but I don't know I don't know you know there was never really talks of us coming back like for a full-time run or even a a part-time run or anything like that you know Mm -hmm. it is what it is it was what it was and I got to do it and I'm happier than shit that I was able to do that
0: yeah definitely um they said you you uh you kind of keep up do you you keep up really too much with what's going on nowadays with like WWE, AEW, anything like that? Um, I'll
1: I'll turn AEW on if I'm flipping. If I have time, I'll flip. And again, if it's somebody I know, I'll watch a little bit of it. Um, WWE I follow more on Instagram because I follow certain people on Instagram that I'm friends with. And if they're on, you know, then I'll watch it. And I catch little bits and pieces of storylines. Um, actually, Instagram's the only way that I knew Edge was back in one. <laughs> I was like, oh wait, the Royal Rumble was last night. Like I didn't even know it was happening. Um, yeah, so it's not like one of those things where I sit. I know there's a lot of guys that you know that still just sit and they want to watch. And I, just the, I like the the storylines of a match. When you're doing okay. a match, you're telling a good story. The matches aren't like that anymore. And I, just, it's just me. I don't know. Maybe it's how I'm. I was brought up through wrestling of you know telling a storyline. I don't like matches that are just spots. When you're jumping around, you just spot spots, but it doesn't make sense. You can't follow it. Um, so that, That's probably the biggest reason why I really don't watch it, because I'll watch a lot of the interviews. I like the interviews. I like all that, but the actual in-ring stuff, I'm just not a fan of the style they're doing now. And That's not a knock against anyone. They're all great guys. They're all athletic as hell. It's just not something I
0: enjoy watching. Yeah, see, you, you knew my question. I was, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, what were your thoughts on the product and what were some things that you liked about it <laughs> yes, that well I mean, it's, um, nowadays it's
1: nowadays it's got to be tough i mean i've wrestled in front of crowds of 10 12 people um so it's got to be tough to be out there performing with no crowd because you feed off that energy of the crowd yeah. and not knowing how that whole thunderdome thing is with the with the screens or but it sounds like white staticky from home um so it's hard from to home? pick up on that those guys to get out there and work like that in front of basically nobody is great because that energy you would feed off of everyone is
0: unbelievable yeah no i can i can only uh imagine um you know when it when when it comes to um you know like part-timers and said you said like the stories and you know guys coming you don't know if they'll be next week um what are what kind of like your thoughts on like part-timers being uh a part of the product because you know It's very nostalgic. You know, we get to see, you know, a lot of the guys you like. And, you know, you guys are even kind of an example of that, too. They brought you guys back for the tag team tournament as well. But, you know, overall, like, kind of how do you feel about that in, you know, wrestling today?
1: Um, I don't really have a problem with it. I remember back when we were there, there wasn't a whole bunch of that going on. Um, This may sound kind of wrong, and I don't mean it the way it's probably going to sound, but... (laughs) if they got to start bringing in guys to, to, to draw money, then maybe the guys that are there got to step up. It's kind of like, you know, everyone hates the Patriots. I see your Tampa Bay Jersey. Um, yeah. everyone, hates the Patriots. <laughs> everyone hates Tom Brady because he's so good. Mm-hmm. Better. So, I mean, that's one of the things. And again, this isn't a knock against anybody or anyone that's there, but you know, if they're bringing guys back, they're doing it for a reason. They got to draw money somehow. Um, yeah. You know, they got to draw money, they got to get them back somehow. And they got to get, you know, maybe they're trying to bring old, older crowd back into it. Um, yeah. but you know, and again, but then again, you have guys like Edge who will constantly, you know, um, reinvent themselves. Goldberg's Goldberg, he's not going to do anything different. Um, so just again, I personally don't have a problem with it. It's kind of mm-hmm. cool to see some guys go back. Um, yeah. wouldn't mind being part of that to come back and do some more stuff every now and then because. You know, it helps boost your your it helps boost your indie uh, bookings and money for for your indie shows. Um,
0: yeah. When I do shows, but um, yeah, I don't have a real problem with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of and I, I, the thing about a lot of these guys, I, I feel like they can they can still perform. You know, okay. at least you know Edge comes back. He puts on great matches as well. Still, so you know, I, I'm I I enjoy it as well. You know, yeah, I mean, Goldberg's,
1: and Goldberg's still in unbelievable shape. I mean, he still looks like I, he did before. Um, other than some gray, but I can't say anything about having some gray, so <laughs> can't, can't bust him on that. Um, but he still looks great. It's like Glenn and I. I think we still can go, um, mm-hmm. you know, like we did before. I mean, we're still keeping up with, you know, young kids now and, you know, the 25-year-old kids. We're still keeping up with them in the ring. We're still doing everything that we did before. So I think mm-hmm. as long as you can go out there and you can perform and do and do what you do, then, yeah, no issue with it at all.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, let me ask you if you weren't wrestling, what do you think you would be doing? Um, I probably would have been a teacher. A teacher? Wow. Yeah. So
1: any, anything special? Um, no, I was actually going to school for it um, at the time. I probably, I probably it's going sound kind of funny. I probably would have been a gym teacher. And yeah. I would, I wrestled amateur from third grade. I probably would have been, been a coach. I probably would have been a wrestling coach or gotten into baseball coaching. And that's probably what I've done. I still love teaching. I love helping. I like mm-hmm. going to that girl has a school right down the street here um, nice. for me. And um, then when we go do the, um, the, the other indie shows, I like watching the younger guys and, and helping them out. I like helping. So yeah,
0: I probably just would have been a teacher. Oh, man, that's that's cool. Um, but uh, outside of wrestling, uh, any hobbies that you have? Um, I play kickball. Kickball, wow. <laughs> I, play,
1: uh, I play very competitive kickball. I was on a very uh, – I've been playing for, geez, probably 13, 14 years now. Um, the, my main team, we were called wow. the Meatballs. We won four national championships. We won three in a row. We won on a – Three and a half year run where we didn't lose one game, um, and we won. We played in some big money tournaments, and we in those three and a half years we won close to sixty thousand dollars.
0: Oh man, that's crazy! See, yeah, so nobody like, would have
1: thought. Uh, yes, yeah, so I played kickball. Before. I've been to Vegas four or five times. To play kickball. I've been been all over the United States playing. So I still I still play. I play a couple nights a week, but I just play in local leagues. I don't
0: travel like that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Kickball,
0: <laughs> nice. Now, when it comes to uh, like music, are you are you still a metalhead, or, or has your taste changed as you've gotten older? No, my taste
1: is just a big variety. It depends on my mood. I, I still listen. I will still put Marilyn Manson on. I will still put Metallica on. Mm-hmm. Uh, blind hell, I'll put Billy Joel on. It just, I mean, it just, it all depends. It all depends on my mood and where I'm at and how I'm feeling. I'll put classic rock on, uh, but yeah classic rock, heavy rock, it's all, as long as it's rock, I guess, you know, but um, yeah, it's a variety depending on my mood, but no, I'll still put on, especially when I'm going to the gym, it's all Limp Bizkit, Marilyn Manson, when I'm working out, that's all the stuff I like to listen to, Linkin Park, and yeah.
0: Awesome, Uh, man, I'll I'll wrap it up with this, Uh, now I know you're not watching much of Ellen, even though you were on there, uh, are are you having any like favorite shows that you binge or anything like that?
1: Um, right now it's going to make me sound kind of girly. Uh, but right now I'm binging, um, <laughs> private practice on, on Netflix oh, <laughs> for a while. Um, it just depends. I like, what I really like is like law and order, law and order is probably one of my okay. favorite watch. I can binge those. If they, if there's like a marathon of that on USA, I'll just keep it on all day and I could see the same episode over and over again and just keep watching it. Um, it's just a matter of my interest. I love like FBI shows, stuff like that. I mean, I, I I can't think of any other show right now, um, to give you specifics of shows
0: that I've been watching. (laughs) I just can't remember them, but. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh man. I really, um, Chaz, I really appreciate this, man. You're definitely, uh, one of the, uh, you know, most memorable moments of, you know, the attitude and, you know, my teenage years for myself, so I'm really, I really appreciate you doing this, and i uh, very happy to have you on today, man.
1: No problem. Glad to do it, man. I'm happy to do it. Thanks. I had a good time. But bringing up all the memories uh, kind of gets the mind going, so
0: it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, if any fans want to follow you, check you out, can see the journey that you guys are still going on to this day, uh, how can they do that?
1: Um, you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. They're both at Chasmosh. And then we got all these cool T-shirts over at ProWrestlingTees.com. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of there. There's, there's actually a Beaver Cleavage shirt over there, too. It says, I Heart Beaver. Um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so you can hit me up at, at Chaz Marshall on Instagram or Twitter, um, ProWrestlingTees.com. And, you know, we're always advertising on there where we're going and what
0: we're doing and doing our silly stuff. So it's all good. Awesome. Perfect. And for us, once again, you can check us out on Wrestling IQ 101 on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. And for this episode, it's Derek, it's Headbanger Mosh, and we are out.